We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest. And then the final event, the Behind the Bangs Writing Workshop. I finally did it, put it together, put together this workshop because I wrote this book in many ways for younger me. And younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught. I wanted the gyms. I wanted I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the education. That's what I would have wanted. So I've decided I'm doing it. And in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn. 15 years. In my 15-year career as a TV writer and author and blah, 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 all the other things I've written, there are six things that I always use, and all of those are in this workshop. So if you have an interest in writing, sign up. All the ticket links are live today. Click the show notes. Click my Instagram. We are coming to a city near you, and there's going to be some meet and greets. I'll sign some copies of books. We'll give out more books, and I have uh, some pieces of merch that I'm taking on the road, and I'm going to give them out at the shows. Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This is a podcast that recaps and celebrates the memoirs of female celebrities. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I am the head writer at The Problem with Jon Stewart, and I'm also a comedian, I'm a filmmaker, and sometimes I'm in stuff. Now this week, this episode is a very special extra, extra episode. It's on top of our normal episodes. This is from our very first live show. So earlier this month, we did a live show of this podcast at Caveat in New York City, and it truly blew my expectations away of what a live podcast could be. I'm really only used to doing like stand-up or full-on sketch shows or live events like that. And so I didn't know what to expect from the live show audience, and I had the most incredible time. Um, And there's a ton of pictures up on my Instagram. It was super fun. And the reason we are able to do these live shows is because we went fully independent and we are supported entirely by Patreon subscribers, which is so phenomenal. And so listen, if you want to support the community, we can do more live shows. You can go to patreon.com slash Chelsea Devantes. It's linked in the show notes. And by joining the community, you can get access to patron-only bonus episodes for just $5 a month. We're adding extra episodes a month just for patrons. We just did Jamie Lynn Spears. We're about to do another real juicy one that I've made it a bonus episode because it's it's going to— is going to be a little extra juicy. And if you don't want to support the Patreon, that's fine. Just keep listening to regular episodes just like you are now. You can also follow me on Instagram where I recap all these books and I do a bunch of other fun stuff at Chelsea Devantes. And especially follow me on Instagram for this show because 
for the live show, we had a slideshow with a ton of, if I do say myself, uh, cool photo references. And you'll hear us referencing those pictures in the audio. I'll post the whole slideshow to my Instagram and my highlights. So you can listen to this episode, follow along there if you want. I'll also put it in the Facebook group, Celebrity Book Club Podcast, and I will post it to the Patreon. Now, one last thought before we start this. This live show was so fun. It was literally the day after I wrapped filming season one of Jon Stewart, and I spent the whole day packing up all my stuff to leave New York City and come back to LA. So I, I, I was at a 10. I was at a 10, and being in a room with everyone, like, it blew me away. So that's where I'm at in this. And you know what? I also read an essay from my upcoming book. Yeah, I read an essay at the live show. And I also gave away a bunch of hoe dresses because I was moving. And I say hoe dresses with love. Love my hoe dresses. And now a bunch of cookies have these hoe dresses. And I hope we form some hoe sisterhood of the traveling (laughs) dress. And um, I hope to do more live shows. So if you want to see one, you know, get on the Patreon, DM me, whatever. We'll do more. And now... Here is the show. Please welcome to the stage, Casey Balsham. Welcome, Casey. Okay, so Casey, you know her from the Shady Shit podcast. She also has a comedy special coming out called Inconceivable. I saw it live. It's so very, very funny. I start every podcast with the story of how me and my guests first met. So... Um, oh, yeah, this is the book we're doing. We're doing mm-hmm. Brooke Shields we're doing Brooke tonight. Shields. Not a lot of Brooke Shields fans. Okay. <laughs> okay, another picture of me. Good. Okay, so this is the first picture ever taken of Casey and I together. Obviously, a selfie. When uh, I was falling uh, madly in love with Yasser, the f- and we were in New York, and Casey uh, captured it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was, if you went out to dinner with Chelsea and Yasser um, when they first started dating, you were like, sh- you felt like you were in a porn. They were, <laughs> it was like, we'd be like eating fried rice, and they'd be like, you, like you, imagine trying to Lady in the Tramp rice. They, would, they figured it out. It was very Thank sexual. You. Thank it's you. Very sexual. Compliment taken. Thank there was you. a lot going on there. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we documented. We documented. Yeah. First time we met. And uh, <laughs> it was comfortable for everyone. <laughs> it was good. I regret nothing. You know. You know. Listen. Falling in love. It was fine. Um, Casey's now husband Robbie introduced mm-hmm. me and Yasser to each other, and then we met Casey. So that's how we actually met, mm-hmm. and that was how it was then. This is how it's going now. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, this is Casey trying to convince me I should buy this wedding dress because uh, you could pass the arms around <laughs> at the reception, like pool floaties, <laughs> right? And I was like, that's not enough. Right? It'd be like, oh, it's my turn with the arm thing. And then you'd feel like really special. Like, even though it was Chelsea's wedding day, you could be like, but also mine. You know, like I just thought, I thought she could share it, but she she wouldn't do it, you know? <laughs> but close, but close, but close. Okay, so to dive into the Brooke Shields book, mm-hmm. now the podcast is starting and I'm like, wow, who she is. So, oh yeah, okay, so. Brooke Shields got her start. This was the least aggressive uh, photo I could find. Yeah. 
Brooke Shields got her start in a movie called Pretty Baby, where she played an 11-year-old sex worker. Yeah. But definitely in that movie was called a prostitute. Um, but according to Brooke, things were different then. Things yeah. were different then. It was fine. And when I went then. to look for pictures of, of Brooke Shields and Pretty Baby, uh, this was the mildest. And I was like, ah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She also became such an 80s icon. She had dolls made of her. Mm-hmm. And one time her mom sent one of these dolls to John Travolta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were dating. We'll get to that. <laughs> Brooke and John. Okay. Um, she was also famous. She's 15 here in the Calvin Klein ads. Uh, and it had the famous line in the commercial, nothing comes between me and my jeans. Yeah. Which, you know, when you're 15, and that's the line of the Calvin Klein's ad. Um, it got a little sexual. It got, and, and then, and, and again, according to Brooke, she had no idea that this was sexual. She's no like, idea. I didn't even know they would think that I wasn't wearing panties. And I'm like, well, there's a, there's a, yeah, a lot of things are happening here. Um, you're 15, the word, and she was also saying that some people were saying that the cums was supposed to be spelled C-U-M-S. And I was like, you I still didn't cum. have a flag that went up that was no. like, maybe I'm too little, you know? Like, it was just <laughs> nah. very sexy. <laughs> Which sexy. leads into, you know, who was uh, in charge of her during that time, yes. which was her mom, Terry Shields. Um, and so this is a book about a really psychotic would be a gentle word. It'd be easy. Yeah, that'd the be psychotic nice. psychotic relationship yeah. between her and her mom, yeah. who was her manager and booked her in those previous things we saw, like when she was naked. Um <laughs> So, and a line in the book is her talking about saying, I don't remember feeling pressured. My mom made me feel like it was all my choice, which as we know is, you know, what an abuser would say. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to do a podcast about women's issues live. It really is. You know, you really get down to the core of it and you look into the pain just mirrored out, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Terry, her mom was like a raging alcoholic and was just completely like just completely mentally abusive to her and it's just wild but to read. In the book, it's, it's incredible because she like half note, it was, this is why I like the book because it really mirrors like if you happen to have, if you happen to have a codependent abusive relationship in your life. <laughs> I don't want to brag but my mom's also an alcoholic. <laughs> I mean, put your hands in the air if you got Okay. Um, <laughs> We've all read Codependent we, No More. I see you in the back. There, see, we're getting yeah, cheers. People are like, don't make me Somebody is raising the roof for being a child of an alcoholic. Thank you so much. <laughs> I feel seen. Hey. It, Someone's got to raise something, you know, when they're an alcoholic. They're <laughs> <laughs> but the great part about the book is that Half the time, Brooke is like, this is really bad. Then my mom yeah. did this. I'm a child of an alcoholic. And the other half of the time, she's like, don't you dare disrespect my mom. Yeah. And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's just like, no one ever got her. No one ever loved her. And I love her. And she's the best. And and then she's the worst. And it, it But it did feel like what your brain does. Like, yeah. she's still coming to terms. She should have waited to write it. Is She, <laughs> she should have waited. She really should. Because at the end of the book, she kind of goes through this thing where she's like, uh, actually, I'm sad. I'm really mourning. And I'm really not happy with this. This book, I really don't feel like it did anything. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe you needed a couple months. But it's like, it really is like you see her struggle with her mom. Yeah, she's like fiercely protective to be like, my mom's a fucking best. And then and then, and then she'll be like, but I hate her. And then she'll be like, but her laughter is magic. And you're like, <laughs> like, it's just, it's a weird dynamic that yeah. they have. Oh, a quote in the book is, I thought my mom could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. I believed she could even change the weather. 
Yeah. <laughs> I declared one day, don't worry, mama, you'll make it rain. And her mom would be like, I will, won't I? I'm Terry Shields. <laughs> yeah. So she she passes in the she book dies. and she talks about that process. Yeah. And then I think she immediately was like, I'm not, I'm not I'm gonna type this out. <laughs> um and also her mom is no longer with us. And actually yeah. the book starts with the New York, she she pays for an obituary in the New York Times. And the New York Times calls her and they're like, we want to move the obit to the front page. And because her mom has been trashed in the press their yeah. whole lives for some of the things she's in, she's like, don't do this. Just print my obituary. And they're she's like, like I paid we're going to print it. it. We're going to yeah. print it. And she was like, please just print the obit. They're like, we're going to do it. And she opens the New York Times and the front page of the section is like, Terry Shields, monster manager, finally dead. <laughs> I know. It's pretty brutal. And and Brooke was like, I paid for this. (laughs) Um, And then then, so I think she kind of wrote the book to explain her mom and give her mom some credit. Yeah. She she was like, this is the other side of Terry that you didn't see. But but that side also like, you're like, oh, yeah, but it's still pretty terrible. You know what I mean? Like she wanted to show her in a different light. Terry, terrible. Terry, terrible. Yeah, Yeah. but she named herself Terry. Terrific, but real close to terrible. Terrible. Um, And real close to Terry Schiavo. Casey. <laughs> we're just, we're doing name things now? Yeah, we're doing, okay. We're doing, we're um, doing name things. I pre-gamed with the uh, lobster bisque, so you can't, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I've had two sips of wine on nothing but cream, so. <laughs> this is going to get crazy. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and since we're already in a sad moment, I'm going to read this other story. She's a child, she's with her mom. And the brakes go out on their car as they're uh, on the George Washington Bridge. Mm. My mom screamed for me to get in the back seat and strap in because we had no way of stopping. I refused. I remember saying, I remember feeling strangely proud and looking straight ahead and saying, no, if you die, I die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very codependent. Like, so, you like know, that's on like the, the scale, definition. Yeah, mm-hmm. on the scale, it's, and, and her mom was like so proud of that story. She would retell it. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Um, But don't worry, uh, it's gonna get worse. Mm -hmm. So then she's in a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, it, it's thankfully he's not in the scene, but you know she plays a kid in the in a Woody Allen movie. So the craziest story in the book is she was like, I was in a Woody Allen movie. And the wildest part about it is that he asked my mom out on a date and she went. Mm -hmm. Yes, which I just want to do a side thing to say like it does feel like. It does feel like where it's like, you know, where you're like, you got to get in with the mom so you can get in with the kid. Yeah. Well, as, I'm sorry, we, right? Well, we know right? him. Yeah, yeah. We all know him now. We know what happened. Yeah. Right? We, you guys know that he's married to his daughter, right? Like, that's, we, didn't, we, didn't bre- we didn't break the story. No. Uh, okay. no yeah, yeah, but, but I will say, feels uh, like grooming. Ev- every month or so, someone DMs me and they're like, please do Mia Farrow's book. And I'm like, I don't have enough. Like, I need to go to like a, a silent retreat and a spa meditation before I like do that book. But- Her mom goes on the date. This is where it gets even weirder. The reason she didn't keep dating Woody Allen is because she said he was too into therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, why you're like, oh, Woody Allen shouldn't be the poster boy for therapy. But also that her mom was like, ugh, therapy. No thanks. Yeah. You're bettering yourself or something? Well, 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 you know, like she didn't care. Slowly (laughs) we find out that Brooke's mom is an alcoholic as you go through the pages. The big quote in the book that, again, kind of like no book editor because the, It'll become a chapter heading, then it'll be like other places in the book, um, where she tells her mom, I wish I only knew you in the morning. Yeah, that's when she was sober. Because that's when she was sober. I know, it's very sad. It's very sad. Um, also, wait, to- can I p- point out that like, also, by the way, the whole first beginning, obviously this is a book about Brooke and her mom, and the whole beginning of it is kind of like her telling stories 
about her mom. Like she literally starts the book being like, my mom was kind of a liar. Now here's a bunch of stories my mom told me. And then it, like that's the yes, whole, yes. that's the whole beginning of the book. And every fucking story is like wild and out there that you're like, none of this is true, Brooke. Like you yeah. grew up in Newark. <laughs> it wasn't magic, you know? Like, yes, there's truly that one that like, there's literally this one thing, um, uh, uh, the hula hoop competition. She, she's like, she's like, and I, my mom said I had never done it and I hula hooped for 17 hours and won a trophy. And you're like, what? Yeah, and then she's like, for the rest of my life, whenever I thought I couldn't do something and my mom wanted me to do it, she would say, remember the hula hoop. Yeah, but like, like every story was magic. Every story, her mom was like, I stopped a plane. And you're like, what? You, yeah. This is all a lie from an alcoholic. Like, but she, no. does, Brooke doesn't know. She does, she'll say yeah. like, oh, my mom, like blah, blah, blah. But when she tells these stories, she's like, and I know that one was true. And you're yeah. like, Brooke, no, she's like, not. She's like, I was only six months, but I kind of remember seeing it. Yeah. Which, I kind of remember. You're like, you don't, you were shitting in your own butt crack. You don't remember it. Okay, so her believing her mom leads into this. So she is cast as this character. You can see the bottom right, right here. I had to crop it. So in the book, Brooke described, I had never seen, who here has seen Pretty Baby? Okay. 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 All right. Yeah. All right. So let us tell you about Pretty Baby. Yep. Pretty Baby is about an 11-year-old prostitute. Mm -hmm. And in the book, she's like, there was some light nudity, nudity very tasteful. So One arts. day, there so was artsy. the full frontal nude scene, obviously. Really artistic. I'm the star. I'm the star in it. I'm so 11. I have no tits. I, yeah. And she was like, I was given a G-string. And the sentence is, we all, as if she had a, she's 11. She was like, we all decided I didn't need the G-string. Mm, all of us. All of us. Yes. For this, like, quick, it's just a quick, brief shot in the movie. Not a big deal. Everyone flipped out about it. That's how yeah. Brooke is writing it. And I was yeah. like, what is this movie? This sounds crazy. I Google pictures of the movie. Like, I can't even put them in the slideshow. I would feel so uncomfortable. But, like, she's kind of naked the whole movie. And her mom, before starting the movie, her mom is like, Susan Sarandon's in this movie. And you're the star. Mm -hmm. And I think she's going to be jealous of you. And Brooke... Having already been like, my mom's an alcoholic liar is like, and then Susan Sarandon was really jealous of yeah, me. Yeah, Susan you're like, Sarandon huh? so mad that I was the star. Yeah, and again, child Susan Sarandon. <laughs> oh God, Susan, please don't have been what was in the book. Um, <laughs> she says that when there's like a, t a scene where Susan has to slap her and Susan's like, I can't fake it. I have to really slap you. <laughs> so, and then she's like, and then she's like, from every camera angle. And all we the coverage. Four for each camera angle. And she's like, and I was just standing there stoic because I was also proving a point. It's like, it sounds like you were getting the shit beat out of you by Susan goddamn Sarandon. Yeah. You know what I mean? To me, I'm going, Susan Sarandon's kicking your ass, kid. And she was like, I wouldn't let Susan Sarandon know that I felt pain. And I was like, what's happening? Tell Susan Sarandon it hurts. Like, you can yeah. do that. She's nice. And then also on set... Is so this is Polly Platt. Does anyone here know who Polly Platt is? Wow, we, we, had, a, we had a light clap for Polly They're Platt. Lying. In the back. They're okay. lying. They're <laughs> lying. Um, okay, so Polly Platt is this like underground feminist producer who's like done a bunch of. She's basically like ghost producing a lot of movies in Hollywood, and the guy she was married to would like take all the credit for them. And then he leaves her for Sybil Shepherd on the movie she's currently producing. And because she cares so much about the movie, she's like, okay, you can fuck Sybil, but like, please finish my movie. And then he's listed as director. So, yes. 
But, okay, nice. so when Polly, so no one's going to care about this but me, but I put in the script, so I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay, so Polly Platt, this like kind of iconic producer, is in an alcoholic phase herself. And she and Terry Shields go to war on this movie set. When Brooke's mom is like, she's a child, she shouldn't work too many hours. This is the story Brooke tells, and this is where I'm like, this can't be right. Yeah. She says, Polly Platt cut the brakes on her mom's car. <laughs> she, no, no, I thought it was the mob. She like, it was like- Well, she had the mob cut the brakes? So, yeah, so there well, was- she, I know she didn't this personally this, cut this them. Is, like, her mom was literally like, her mom was like, the mob cut the brakes because I started asking questions about the hours that everybody was working. So I moved to a hotel down the street and then they didn't find her. They're the fucking mob. You know, like it was like, it was truly like, she's like, She's like, I came in and my hotel room was open because I was asking about, about child labor laws. And, and then she moved literally to another hotel in the same town and was like, it was, it was fine. But, but we were then, safe. We but were then safe. she's like, goes to lunch. Her mom goes to lunch. And she's like, I know it was a setup because everyone knows I drink at lunch. And so they knew that. And then they had a cop tail me and arrest me for a DUI so that I would be arrested and they could just work you for hours and hours. Yeah. And then someone wrote on the mirror, Polly Platt, presumably, in red lipstick, this is what we can do to you. Yeah. But as you know, they're both alcoholics and Brooke is 11. <laughs> so you're like, what part of this is true? <laughs> but like Susan Sarandon like won't stop slap eater. <laughs> yeah. That stays consistent, you know. <laughs> Susan Sarandon be slapping kids. So, okay, another picture of me. Okay, so at this point... Brooke, as a child, is like, we got to do an intervention on my mom. She's an alcoholic. Yeah. There's, like, one friend around, but she doesn't come back later in the book, so I don't remember her name. And they stage an intervention on Brooke's mom. Yeah. And it works. First of all, Terry is like, fuck all of you. I'm amazing. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. I'm not going to change. And then Brooke was like, please, mom. And so she goes. When she comes back, she's sober for a little while. But she also blames Brooke for it. Like, she goes, yeah. I'm not going because I have a problem. I'm going for you, Brooke. Like, just to make her feel like shit, too. Which was, yeah, she was like, it's just for you. And she's like, but I'm cool. Yeah. You know? And, and like, then when yeah, she cool. comes back and she's sober, their relationship changes and mm -hmm. goes through, like, you know, it's supposed to be changing to get back to a healthy relationship. And then Brooke feels so unsettled by yeah. her mom being different that she starts, like, being mad at it and wanting her mom to drink again because she, like, doesn't know the person who came back. Yeah, she's like, I'm so used to being, like, on edge and, like, wondering what's happening with my mom and all this stuff that, like, when I didn't have to worry about her, I didn't know what our relationship was. Yeah. Which was, like, very sad, but also very, very much sad. you're like, that, whoa. Very sad. Whoa. It's very sad. <clears throat> Can't wait to be a mom. <clears throat> um, so then Brooke does another movie and it is Blue Lagoon. Yeah. Who in here has seen Blue Lagoon? <laughs> okay, now we okay, we got some more people for that. So okay. the I saw this movie a million years ago. I didn't, I should have looked it up. Here's my memory of the of the plot. Tell me if I'm wrong. She and her brother get that's cousin, her brother. Cousin. Or cousin? It was supposed to be cousin. That's good. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. She and her cousin get stranded <laughs> on a desert island. And they go through puberty, and in puberty, they're like, hormones? And then they have sex, and then Brooke gets pregnant and and, and squats and has a baby on the island. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is Pretty that much. right? Yeah. That's Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the memory. That's... So anyways, what her... The, you know, Terry is really booking Brooke on a certain type of movie. Yeah. <laughs> and again, very naked in this film. But this one, she had a body double because her mom was like... Because obviously, so the like Pretty Baby or whatever went to con and everyone was like, what the fuck is this? And everybody was like, this is terrible. But everyone was also like, but he's Italian. You know, like it was just like a the whole... Director. The director. The director was, was like, I'm like, Italian. They're like, that's okay. Brooke, you're a whore and your mom's yeah. a bitch. We're going to cut your... And all 
these people were like trying to cut her hair as she was walking and she was like, please, please don't, you know? And so, and so, so this time her mom was like, okay, we'll, we'll do a naked kid movie, but you better get a naked, another naked kid to be my naked kid. So she, I think that's what, in her mind, she was like, we're going to get somebody else to be your tits. This don't is worry. parenting. Yeah, this, this is parenting. This is, I'm good. Yes. You know, I am good. So <laughs> then, it was just. So by the time I got to search for this image, I, I was like, I got to tell, now I have to just tell everyone this. So when I would look for images of Brooke Shields from movies in a childhood, they all came up on porn sites. And I would be like, where am I ripping this image from? Yeah. So that's just a fun fact for you. Um, so she's already gone through the pretty baby Susan Sarandon section, Brooke Shields has. Later in the book, she's talking about Blue Lagoon, and here's the quote. Uh, my mom would tell me to forget it, adding that the director was probably in love with the kid, her co-star. Oh, yeah. Mom boy. often made quick judgments about things like this. She would often say somebody was probably jealous of me or that that director had a thing for that actor or actress. She wanted to be the one who saw everything and knew everything. She was confident that I would believe her wholeheartedly. Yeah. And in the same book, like 50 pages prior, she was like, Susan Saran fucked me up and my mom knew it. <laughs> and you're like, Brooke! Yeah, yeah like Everything is just like her mom was just like her mom would be like, "This isn't a red carpet," and she'd be like, "Brooke, this is not red." You know, like it was like it was like that kind of level of of where she was just like, "No, I am the mom, and I am right, and I know what's best for you, and that's just how it is." Like, there's yes. no question about it. It's just it was so anyway. So it was a, yeah. so you know, good Very sad abusive. read, but it really tells you about what happens to your brain when. Okay, so mm -hmm. okay, now we're at the Princeton <laughs> story. Now, I talked about this on Instagram, so I hope there's some good comments in the chat because I actually can probably do the story from memory and I don't need to open the book. <laughs> so she's like, I decided that, you know, I want I, I walked in. I just kind of had a feeling that I should go to Princeton. And I told my high school guidance counselor, and he, can you believe this, laughed in my face and said, like, you're a C student and your SAT score yeah. is 1,000. Yeah, she had just broke a thousand. She said, I just broke a thousand. And he thought it was unrealistic that I would go to Princeton. Can you believe he didn't yeah. believe in me? And I was like, and I, I wrote down, I said, please don't get into Princeton. Well, because I think she, right, and because she was like a stall, like her career was stalled. Like she did like three kitty porns and then they were just like, we don't really know but what she, to do with you. But she was famous. Like but she was, was but she was famous. Was a book, like yeah. she's famous. They, had, they even had like a fake bust of her hair that people could just like do her hair. And it's just like. People wanted to yeah. do that. And she was called yeah. the face of the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So she, so I was like, I can't believe she gave us her SAT score. So I Googled. I was like, <laughs> maybe the scale was different in the 80s. No, it was 1600. Yeah. And there's one article written that like the SATs were harder back then, but like honestly still doubt it. And still it's a thousand. So she's like, I didn't apply to Princeton. I applied to Vassar. Ugh. And I got in early admission. I Vassar's fucking gross. And you're like, Brooke. <laughs> so then she's like, <laughs> then I went to a football game at Princeton. Because I think she was just like, it, there's no Ivy going up the walls at Vassar. But and there is. There <laughs> is. But I feel like she was very, she was very specific to be like, Vassar didn't look the way I thought the college I went to. Like, it was all aesthetic. Like, it's like, clearly you've been on it movie sets. She was yeah. looking for the right vibe. She was vibe. like, I want a vibe. Yeah. Like, this Vassar thing is just not it. Yeah. You know, like, it's not it. So, like, she was like, I'm going to go to Princeton. You know, like, it's crazy. Yeah. And so she's like, she goes to a football game. She's like, I was at Princeton. I just like knew that's the school I'm supposed to go yeah. to. But the, the application was due in two days. And you're like, Brooke, why are you telling on yourself? So she's, she's like, like, so I ran home and I did it all in a day and a half. She ran home believe? from the tour yeah. of Princeton to be like, I must apply. Like it was like crazy. Like, now you're telling us you applied in 24 hours. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. please don't get into Princeton. Yeah. And so, because, okay. So anyways, what do you think happened? <laughs> 
she goes and does her interview. She hasn't heard. She said her mom politely but firmly demanded to know if she got in. Mm -hmm. I was like, Terry, Mm -hmm. Terry fucked some shit up. And... And uh, and Brooke gets a call, and they're like, listen, because you're famous, not, not something we care about. Um, we didn't want it to leak to the press, so I have two envelopes on me to fake the press out. And I was about to mail you your envelope that you got into Princeton. Yeah. And then she writes this in her book. The next day at school, I didn't want to tell anybody. I eventually had to, but I played it down. I knew people would think I had just gotten in because I was right. famous. Yeah. 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 But I knew that this fact was actually a deterrent for universities for many reasons. I also knew I was the right fit for Princeton. I loved every aspect of what the university stood for. They believed in hard work, excellence, and joy. Absolutely not. If you've ever been to Princeton, no fucking way. They believe in like date rape and getting away with it. Yeah. And rowing and rowing. And rowing and rowing. Yeah, and rowing. But joy is definitely nowhere in the brochure. (laughs) These were the things I sought after daily. Princeton did want well-rounded students who showed consistent improvements over the four years of high school and who had many extracurricular activities and varied tastes. This is because she started as a C student and she brought it up to a B and she was like, they respect that. Yeah. (laughs) Turns out the interview also had a big impact on their decision. One thing I was extremely comfortable doing was being interviewed and being honest. I had been accepted to Princeton University, the academic institution of my dreams. I glowed instead of gloated, and for the rest of the year, I had an overwhelming sensation that I was really going to be okay in the world. Yeah. You know how, like, you, ah! I know. You know how, like, you go to, like, a Princeton interview, and then you leave, and you're like, I'm going to be okay. You know, like, you, you know how we— you, you, know, know, you know, you know. You know how, like, that's relatable? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I would— I, 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 here's, this is why, this is why I'm actually mad she got into Princeton. Because I was like, she graduates uh, cum laude. So like, I was like, oh, that, twist. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But, but this is what I think. Oh, this is so mean. Maybe I'll get it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. But we're live. Um, uh, I think if you were actually smart enough to get into Princeton on your own, you know not to print your SAT score in a book. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no one asked. She literally could have been like, I got a 1600 and go, or she just don't say it. Just don't say it. I really wanted to go to Princeton yeah. and I did. Instead, she's like, I sucked. I had low grades and they really wanted me for who I was. And yeah. it's like, then you're too dumb to go. And she did That's make, she did go, make a point that she, like when she went to the interview, they're like, they, they, they said the SATs isn't like really something that they look at it anymore. Anyway, like they were just like, <laughs> They yeah, said yeah. the SATs were, like, not that important anymore. And it's like, for they you, students. Calvin Klein, model, Brooke Shields, famous person. For you. Like, for you. they're still looking at everybody's SATs, you know. But just, they, they said it wasn't. Was okay. They said something about my hair. So she goes to Princeton. She graduates. But in between this time, she's no longer, like, sexy, uh, like, child porn actress. She yeah. comes out a woman. Yeah. And Hollywood's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She gained 20 pounds. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a big part of the book. She said she gained 20 pounds and that her mom wanted her to lose the weight. So she was like, if you stop snacking, I'll stop drinking. And then her mom was like, no, never mind. You stay fat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Truly and honestly. A, her mom was, was like, deal. Saik. Saik. <laughs> Too slow. So also, also in this time, it's important to know that yeah. Brooke is Catholic and she's a virgin mm. and it's been made a thing of in like, the press. It, yeah, like people are like, this is our virgin queen. Like, it was like The Bachelor. It was like, this is the virgin! Yeah, yeah. Everybody watch! 
watch and see if they fuck. <laughs> um, and her mom, this is sad. Her mom was like, you be a virgin. She was like, I'll be a, like her mom was like, you're a virgin. Like, and I think it was her mom her, was oddly Catholic. Like used odd, like weirdly used religion in weird time. But like, I also think like, parts. cause her mom put her in those movies and everyone was mad at her mom for it. Cause she was a child. Her mom was like, but she's a virgin. And so her mom yeah. would like roll that through the press of like, as like sort of a good thing. So yeah, like you may have seen her tits at 11, but she ain't fucking. So, so I'm, again, I am good. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. So this is important to remember. She's a virgin. The press knows about it. She's famous for being yeah. a virgin. Yeah. And these are the people she dates. <laughs> I'll, I'll read. We, Wait. We, we don't get enough of it in the book. It's just a paragraph. She said, My mom loved that I had briefly dated John Travolta, Jimmy McNichol, Leif Garrett, Scott Bayo, and John Kennedy. They were all on Teen Beat magazines and stars in their own right. She trusted I'd keep my vow of chastity and liked the attention paid, and liked the attention paid to me in these couplings. She genuinely loved Michael Jackson. You want to fuck that? And said I was good for him as a supportive and honest friend. And throughout the book, she'd be like, my friendship with Michael Jackson, my friendship with Michael Jackson, because, yes. So someone, so, so Brooke was like kind of pretty clearly like the perfect sort of shield to people finding out that maybe you were homosexual in the 80s, 90s, because Brooke was a famous virgin. So yeah. you wouldn't have to like be with Brooke yeah. and you could hide your own sexuality, which is also why this was yes. her boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah. 
And you know what's so sad about this is the night that she thought that she was going to lose her virginity to George Michael because they, okay, because they left a party in his limo and he like closed the divider between the door, the, between the driver and them in the backseat of the limo. And she was like, oh, uh-huh, fuck, it's going to happen in a car. He goes, we need to break up. <laughs> and she was like, she he's like, was, I need to focus was... on wham. That's what he said. Sorry. I need, <laughs> I need to focus on wham. And she made a go-go pun. She's like, at that point, I wish I could have told him not to go-go. And then, and then, I, and then I threw myself out the window, but then I, I, I resurrected, and now I'm alive again to do this podcast. Yeah. But after yeah. that sentence, I was like... <sighs> yeah, she said, oh my God, I'm going to get to have my first time with George Michael in the back of the limo. Forget Catholicism in the book. Forget my mother. God would understand. I gazed at George with puckered lips. He looked deep in my eyes and said, I think we need to take a break. I need to concentrate on my career. Wham. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I think we've all been broken up with somebody that needed to concentrate on Wham, though. Like, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. again, like something we've all gone but through. Now, yeah. she, now, this is, this is, I think, my favorite line in the book. So, there were other people in there, like Scott Baio, John F. Kennedy. Yeah. But this is the sentence she calls out. Mom encouraged friendships with people like George Michael... Michael Jackson, and John Travolta. She doesn't list any other name. <laughs> and that's where you're like, Brooke. Yeah. Brooke. I don't want to say that they're, uh, they're, they're gay, but they're non-straight. You know, like it's just, they're not all of them. Then she dates Liam Neeson. Oh, weird response to this. What are we feeling out here about Liam Neeson? I know what I feel about Liam Neeson, but like, where's everyone's reference level at on Liam Neeson? Okay, what's that? What's we got a hand back up there. Say it. Shout it. I just think that he was like a sexy, actually straight actor. Yeah. Yeah. Sex, sexy, straight actor. Actually straight. Famously well endowed. Famously well endowed? I, I didn't, didn't know, know that I didn't one. know that. I didn't... No, you don't know personally, but we've heard. Uh, you we've you heard. said it with a lot of conviction. I believe it. Though. I believe it. Okay, someone in the back is going. <laughs> Did anyone in here sleep with Liam Neeson? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they're madly in love, and she's like, now I'm going to lose my virginity. Yeah. Liam had to fly to L.A. that night to check on a basement flood in his home. I told him to phone me when he arrived. Oh, it'll be late, darling. I said, well, I won't fall asleep until I know you are safe. And you did ask me to marry you. Mm-hmm. So you can tell yeah. me when the plane lands safe. He, like, without a ring, was just like, let's get married after, like, three months. And she was like, maybe, you know, and then the next happened. line is, I never heard from him again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Liam, you fucking dog! I know. Maybe he was taken. I don't know. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Here we go. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. Then she meets husband. Take a drink. Yeah. Andre Agassi. Mm-hmm. Now who they were introduced, by the way. There's a little blurb in the book that Chelsea didn't clock, but I I highlighted, highlighted, and wrote it in my notes. She was introduced to Andre Agassi by a woman named Lindy G, Kenny G's wife. Lindy G. Which means that G G is his last name. 
did that blow any? She's like, Lindy G. I'm like, does she just go by that for funsies? Or is his last name just G? Like, it's just Lindy G. Kenny G's wife. Oh, yeah. Lindy G, obviously. And this woman is like, oh my God, you're, I think she's in Africa. You're in Africa shooting a film. Yeah. You should start yeah, faxing my friend Andre. Yeah, so they fax. They fax. So, and, and then, now. They, were, they, had a, they faxed each other. I got Andre's book. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, I got to get his side of the story. Yeah. So in Brooke's book, she's like, we started faxing. Yeah. We wrote these long faxes back and forth to each other. And she was in Africa. She's like, I'd go down by the stream. And like, like she was like this very, like she was like in the wilderness, like down by a stream, like just reading faxes. Reading faxes. And she's falling in love. In his book, he's like, someone's told me to start faxing Brooke Shields. (laughs) So I did. It was Liddy G. And then he's, in his own book, is like, me and my friend put on Blue Lagoon. I, I showed you the picture from Blue Lagoon. She's uh. like 16 when she films it. And, and I would be like, yeah, she's pretty hot. I'd fuck her. And it's like, she's a woman now. And he was watching her. Yeah, and he, and, and he was like, I should put that in my book. Um, Did he think he was faxing a 16-year-old? I, I, he was just like, he was like, yeah, I'd hit it. I'll keep writing long faxes. So the key to this relationship is that Brooke has this overbearing, like, incredibly codependent mom who's ruling her life. Yeah. And Andre, a star tennis player, has this really overbearing dad who also ruled and ruined his life. Alcoholic as well. Which also just point out a good theme in life. If you want to be successful, have a piece of shit as a parent because call it back to Michael Jackson. Like, I mean, like, you know, they really get it done. And um, (laughs) you guys didn't like that. Um, (laughs) I'm not wrong. They're all stars. Okay, so... Andre oh. had gotten free from his dad. And he had emancipated himself and really worked through it all. So when Brooke meets Andre, she's trying to get free of her mom because she's old enough to realize maybe things didn't go well. Maybe her career's lagging because her mom's not a real yeah. manager. She's not sure. Well, because there was a point when somebody, a real manager was like, listen, I, I I would like to work with you. And her mom was like, I only know what's good for you. And it was like WME or something. And yeah. then she was like, oh, okay, I guess mom, I guess, I guess I'm guess i going to stick with my mom or something like that. So yeah. she was just, but, but then her career was, she was doing nothing. She was getting faxes in Africa. Oh, yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. And Do you she understand? Was doing, like, That's what her career was. In Japan. Yeah, and she did, yeah, she did like Nescafe commercials that were dubbed yeah. in Japanese. To pay the bills. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, to pay the bills because I have to read this. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe I almost skipped this. Okay, hold on, hold on. This is what was going on. At this point in my career, I did not have the luxury of not working and not earning. We had so much overhead. Yeah. We had an office staff of five women. To what? Yes, well, that is correct. It was because her mom would make her like literally respond to every advice mail, sign every headshot. Like her mom would be like, you're talking to every fucking fan you have and you're going to tell them how to live their lives as well. Like, so there was like a bunch of mail. I, I guess they were doing that. Yeah, okay. So the an office mail. have a five women, a handyman, a cleaning lady, and a part-time driver. We had four homes. And she's saying We. But it's like, sure, on the moon. Okay, we had yeah. four homes yeah. with mortgages and bills everywhere. Okay, so she's doing all this crazy work. She can't get work. She meets Andre. Andre has broken free from his dad. And in him, she sees yeah. that if she falls in love with him and bees with him, he can help her get free. Yeah. That must have been what she's seen because— He was her genie. Because here's— No, here's, he was her Aladdin. She was the genie. She, this you is get she, it. <laughs> makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, it was— So this is what she writes. This is his introduction in the book. 
Uh, he shows up for a date. His hair was vintage Andre hair, mostly blonde with some brown bits, longer than even mine at the time. I had no idea that he was wearing taped-on extensions, but I would discover it much later when he would tell me in an emotional and embarrassed uh, admission. I'd like everyone to raise a glass for Andre's wig. That's some good work. I mean, if I could get that put in, I'd tape that shit in too. It looks like Paula Poundstone a bit. Yeah, swing it back. So in his book, he was like, it's this poetic thing where he's writing about the fucking like African masks on his wall. And he's like, the, the masks were looking at me, telling me I needed to tell Brooke. I was so emotional. I punched a pillow and I said, Brooke, I'm bald. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyways, and then in his book, she, he's like, Brooke convinced me to shave my hair. Anyways, it's a whole thing. But then the next paragraph in her book is, as he was walking away to get to the door, mom pointed to a specific hole in the jeans over his top left butt cheek. The hole had frayed and it was obvious he was either not wearing any underwear or wearing a thong. I would later learn it was a thong. <laughs> and like, no judgments, but like, <laughs> this is what? It, exactly, why? I, yeah, and then, I, yeah, okay, okay, so. <laughs> and then... <laughs> But I just feel like we don't talk about that enough. Like, I'm surprised. Like, I would have loved a headline to be like, Andre, I can wear a thong. Like, oh, let's delve into it. All, Why? I mean, it all props to thongs. But, but the, the important part that he's wearing a thong is that there's a hole and she sees his butt. In her book, in her book, her mom goes, Touch from, it. From, from, she, but just gives her a move, like, like, put your finger in his put, gene hole and touch yeah, his butt. She cheek. gives her a look. And you like this guy, you touch his fucking butt. Yeah, cheek. and she's like, and Brooke, because she's so enmeshed with her mom, goes, yeah. And, and in the book, she's like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, why the fuck would my mom say that? And like, and why, why did, did I do, do it? it? And I like poke his butt. <laughs> in his book, he's like, then Brooke Shields sticks a finger in my butt. <laughs> with a little grin. And it scampers away. <laughs> yeah. That's like, well, Terry Shields was right I then. know. I was like, she should have just whispered, my mommy told me to do it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> So we're with Brooke and Andre. Yes. And this is this is the big thing mm -hmm. that uh, that happens. So uh, Andre calls her up. She, she's like, I kind of want to take a break. And he's like, no, don't do that. And she's like, okay, I won't. And then he goes, but I have something to tell you. It's really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And in the book, she's like, was he gay? I mean, was he gay? And I was like, why is John she so... John Travolta, George Michael, <laughs> but Michael it, But Jackson. in the book, it had been so long. She was like, I was just so afraid he was gay. And I was like, why are you... Why are you... Why are you... And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, I have been on crystal meth this entire relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Party guy. Yeah. And she was like, the whole time? And he was like, yeah, every second I've been on crystal meth. And well, um, except for I think before, except for their mar their wedding, like well maybe their wedding. Day. He stopped before their wedding, but like the entire first part. Who's gonna fax someone in Africa without being a fucking crystal meth? Do you understand? <laughs> Is this going on in a country? Like it, no, he yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. So he was like, I'm a crystal meth addict, and yeah. um, or, or or you know, I deal with I deal with this, and she was like, first bald, and now crystal meth. So. They're kind of they're kind of breaking <laughs> apart. Now brief detour their wedding. I really like this dress. What do we think? It's very pretty. I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. So right before they're over, 
she runs into a guy uh, like on the lot and there's like something with a dog. Like it's, yeah. it's a weird story. They work out together. He's going to become her future husband. Yes. She's still with Andre. And then there's just one sentence I have to mention where she starts talking about how she's at the wedding with Andre and she's feeling weird. And she's like, me and Gavin were just like so close and like Gavin was helping me out. And I start writing like, who the fuck is Gavin? She just keeps talking about Gavin and she never tells you who Gavin is. Never. She's, she's just like, like you, know, you know Gavin? She's like the, the, clo- she's like the closest person Gavin, in my life. Dude. Gavin. And Gavin got me through it because Gavin had always been there for me. Gavin. And I'm like, who's Gavin? I'm like, hey, I'm like, who the fuck is Gavin? I thought that too. And I was I, just like, I must just not have read that no, part about no. Gavin. She literally never introduced him. I figured it out. Who is it? So, very, very early in the book, she mentions her security detail, Gavin DeBecker. Uh, now, I registered this name because that's a security detail of TV shows I have worked on. <laughs> Gavin DeBecker was a security guard who started a huge company, and now he runs the security detail of a television show. I Well, I'm not on it anymore, but I recently was. And... Um, and she, so, but it was pages before. She's like, Gavin DeBecker Securities covered me and my mom. And then 300 pages later, she's like, my life, my best friend, the only person who cares about Gavin. me, Gavin. And I was like, you pay him. So anyways, I was really proud for figuring also, that like, out. Also, like, do you think we're going to remember 300 pages later after you're like, my mom sucks. I love my mom. My mom, oh, my butt, oh, and crack. That we're going to be like, Gavin. Gavin. But anyways, okay, so her best friend was her security guard. And then she convinces Andre to shave his hair. It's this beautiful moment. He comes out as like a not having waist-length hair man. He's like, I'm yeah. free. Yeah. Um, and then it, the book just kind of like really goes forward in time. She's now marrying her new husband. Yeah. Now for any Cookie Crossover fans, we will be reading Kathy Griffin's book. Kathy Griffin did a stand-up set about this wedding and they're no longer friends. Um, I mean, she goes in hard on that wedding. Well, I mean, she says, like, she, that her mom got drunk and gave, like, a really weird speech. Uh, and then she's like, and then the comedians were trying to be so funny. Yeah, they were, like, they, trying to roast us. And like, <laughs> like, and you're like, and, and it was Kathy Griffin. Yeah. So then Brooke gets with her new husband, and she has a child. Mm-hmm. And she, mm-hmm. I, I, I know we've, like, made fun of Brooke a lot, but I think she's done something, like, incredible, which is that we really know postpartum depression mm-hmm. as a thing and what it is because she put it into culture long before yeah. we were talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I actually, now I kind of want to take back every joke I made. But I, I think this is, and, and people messaged me to say that this book changed their lives. And, and, and in the book, she talks about her husband coming to her and saying, like, why don't you laugh with our baby? Like, what? You don't sing to her. You don't kiss her. Why don't you hold the baby? And she's like, and I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, really sad. Yeah. But really, it's really cool that she wrote this book and really cool that she did this. And I just want to say, fuck Tom Cruise forever. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she, she does say that he apologizes to her, but still. Who cares? If you don't remember that story, Brooke Shields was like, postpartum is a thing and you can get meds or do other things to help it. And Tom Cruise was like, Ron L. Hubbard will cure your mind toxins. <laughs> <laughs> and Brooke, Brooke Shields is a slave to the Thetans. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like a whole was like, fucking- Yeah, Tom 
Tom's, Tom's right. Um, we did. We were on Tom's. The culture was on Tom's side. It's so crazy. Yeah. I remember reading about the Brooke Shields, like reading about like her talking about postpartum and how crazy it seems. Like she's like, I just remember being in the car driving with my kid and wanting to just drive it into the median. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. Get pills. You know, and like, Tom it, it, like, Cruise pills was like, help. Uh, no, therapist will give you a lobotomy. The aliens will guide your car. <laughs> Let Shavadova take the wheel. What is their main god's name? I exactly. <laughs> Okay, so then the book starts moving really fast. Her mom starts deteriorating. And it's yeah. clear, like, the real the childhood is, like, the big part of the book. Her yeah. mom's deteriorating to the point that she thinks she has Alzheimer's. And yeah. she moves her mom into a home. And when she moves her mom into a home to give her, like, a mental test, they give her this test that Brooke writes in the book. Okay, here's the test. How are a boat and a vehicle the same? How are a baby and a bud the same? Now, in the book, Brooke is like, there clearly was only one right answer. And my mom got it wrong. I don't. And she went into the home. And I did the test and I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) I think I belong in a home. And then she never gives the right answer. But the correct answer was they're they're both new. Oh, they're both new. And then, yeah, and that's the, her, the, they're both new. Her mom said to the top one, they both have engines. And I was like, this sounds well, they have right. motors. Yeah, they both have motors. What is the top one that they both transport? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. They're both transportation, but like they do both have engines. Like that's not incorrect. These are gaslighting questions. <laughs> but into the home, her mom went. <laughs> yeah. Um, then for some reason, so she takes us through her mom's passing and her mom isn't coherent at the end. And, but, and she writes about it in a really lovely way. Yeah. A really lovely way. Yeah. But then at the very end is like, my mom's ashes are in a cabinet next to our dog. In my kitchen. Yeah. And I was like, why in the book? Yeah. Surely by the time the book comes out, you'll have figured something out. No, she left it. She left it in She there. left it there. Yeah. She yeah. left it there. And she talks about just like how, like, you know, when you're a child of an alcoholic and all this stuff, she's like, I just thought we would have that day where we had this conversation and everybody apologizes and everybody realizes the things. And she's like, it just didn't happen because her mom started to go. And she's like, why didn't we never got this part of our relationship? You know, because there's also like other things that like, you know, like obviously like she she ended up breaking up with her mom as a manager and it was kind of messy and, the mo- and her mom wouldn't like let her do anything. So there was definitely some like weird shit that happened with them. But she's like, I just wanted to stay mother and daughter. So like she thought that it was kind of going to come to this like around circle. And once she had kids, she's like, she's going to be this great grandma. And she just wa- like, she just wasn't, she was the same lady throughout. She still drank. And then she started deteriorating and Brooke was like, I just never got this moment. But then you just still kind of were like, okay, now I am taking care of you. And, and I do have to like rectify this all in my own head without having anything from you. Yes. Which yes. is like the saddest part of the whole thing. Cause you just like, you think people on their deathbed are going to be like, I fucked up. And then they're just like, her you mom know, was like dying. <laughs> yeah. She literally was like, anytime anybody crossed my mom, she would bite. She would bite. Yeah, she them. said her mom started biting. <laughs> she just, she's like, I'd go to hold my mom's hand and she would just fucking bite me. Like, so, so you think it's just gonna be like, we forgive everybody. And she was just fucking biting. Brooke said that she used to give her mom the back of her elbow, because you know how you can't feel that skin. So her mom, her mom so just her mom said she was dying, it. would just chew Brooke's elbow in the hospital. That's a real metaphor. Um <laughs> We should also mention that the big thing she did to break away from her mom yeah. is that she had the entire o- the office her mom worked in for like Brooke Shields Incorporated. She had it cleared, cleared out. But this was the detail yeah. that I caught on to. Yeah. The office was four floors. Yeah. 
For, yes, right? For Brooke Shields Incorporated in the late 90s. It's like, yeah, okay, Terry Shields needed yeah. to Ga- be Gavin's moved office. out. She needed to be moved out. Gavin's office. Gavin's office. Gavin lived Andre's there. Andre's wigs. Andre's yeah. old, old tape Andre's and extensions. Wi- oh, Andre's meth lab. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so... At the end, the book gets really wild where Brooke is sort of processing this, yeah. but for five chapters. Yeah. And, yeah. And, it, and it turns out her mom was a hoarder, and so her mom literally had, like, an airplane hanger full of, like, shit. Like, beanie, yes. beanie babies and, and weird shit, but she would hide, like, gold rings at the bottom of a beanie baby box. And she's like, you got to go through everything piece yeah, by piece. she's going like, through everything. Yeah, going through everything piece by piece, and then just, like, fucking selling it to, like, take care of the fact that, like, and her to, mom was, like, in a place. Yeah, to take yeah. care of all the financial stuff. Yeah. Okay, so then there's two quotes in the book on one page where I was like, Brooke should have waited to write the book. Yeah. She said, and yet maybe if she had been healthier, my life would not have turned out as extraordinary. Which was a point I said earlier. She's probably right. Yeah. I'm kidding. Um, and then at the and on the same page, she said, like her mom never got into a relationship ever. Yeah. And she, she said, never got healthy. Yeah. Admit, admittedly, I would have been jealous, even squeamish, if my mom had had a relationship. Yeah. That's, that's not good. No, it was. <laughs> I don't it, know if you've gone to a therapist, but that's bad. Yeah, no. Therapists are normally like, nah, that's bad. You shouldn't be okay if your mom has sex with a man you don't know. No, but there was like there was a whole weird thing. Like her mom was jealous of her boyfriends, and she would get jealous when her mom would like get drunk and flirt with like the fucking boom guys. You know, like it was like she said her mom would go fucking party with the boom guys who had strong arms because they were holding holding the boom. You know, hey, she ain't wrong. Like literally, they got got biceps. There was boom arms, and so I there was one my my one thing that I took away that was like a very like sad thing just as like a child of an alcoholic and everything like that. Like she did say something that once her mom died, she's like, because she talks a lot about how she's like, I just was constantly worried about my mom. Like if I knew where she was, I knew she wasn't driving. If I if I knew that we were on location in Fiji to shoot Blue Lagoon, I knew that she wasn't hurt. I knew I knew where she was. Like even if she was drinking, I knew where she was. And she said like, once her mom died, her her mom's voice in her head, like that, the noise of her mom started to like quiet, which is I think if anybody's has somebody that they're codependent, that they're constantly thinking about. Like that part really, I went, oh fuck, oh fuck. Okay, like it was like, <laughs> there was a couple times in this book I was just like, Brooke is speaking the fucking truth. Like she, she, there, she has a couple lines uh, uh, where you're just like, I'm, I, if Brooke is at church, I'll fucking be, I'll, 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 I'll go to a Brooke I'll, church. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tape my I'll ear to my tits. Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, like she has yeah. a couple lines that are just like yeah. so good. Okay, so then the, the, the end of the book is two stories. Yeah. One we're not going to go into. It's like, it's like, it, it, she just kind of keeps writing a letter to her mom. Literally, she write, at the end of the so she writes a three hundred page whatever book, and then she writes like a four page letter to her mom that is everything in the book. Just read the letter; you'll understand. It's the whole fucking. It's the book. whole book. It's the whole book. You but literally. The, the other story is that her daughter oh, wants yeah. to get her ears pierced. Yes. And when they go to put the dots on the ears, they go, "Hey, mom, to Brooke, like, are these even?" And Brooke, wanting to be like the good mom who like knows everything, is like, "One of these dots is like, no, no, you need to like move it." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She said, sort of forgetting that like I'm not an expert, and my daughter's earlobes are different size. So when her daughter gets out, one of the earrings is like way lower than the yeah. other. And Brooke is like, Ugh. she's like, "You look great." She's yeah, like, "You like, look good. Like, yeah. You look really good." Like, yeah. and then one day her daughter wants to wear bigger earrings because the ears have healed. <laughs> And they're gummy bear earrings. And when she puts the gummy bears in, one gummy bear is on her earlobe and the other is a dangler. The legs. The legs are coming off. 
And Brooke has to face that she has, she fucked up her daughter's but ears. But also her husband makes her feel, like her husband's like, what the fuck? What the fuck, fuck they're all gonna do? laugh at her. You see those dangling ears? Like, and it was just like, nobody is gonna be like, what the fuck's up with gummy barrier over here? Like, her husband makes her feel like a fucking dick about it. Like, he's like, our kid is deformed. <laughs> and Brooke is like, I'm so sad, blah, 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 blah. It's a, it's a really long story for what it is, but she's kind of grappling with like what kind of mom she's going to be. Yeah. And eventually she tells her daughter, oh, oh, and then her daughter's like, no, mom, they're even. I love them. And because, the earrings are even. Because Brooke she can feels tell Brooke is bad sad. and starts drinking a bottle of wine by the pool with sunglasses in. So she's, yes. so, yes. so, so yes. then her daughter does that and she's like, oh, fuck, I'm my mom. Yes, yes. I and am the Terry. So then she tells her daughter, I messed up. Let's 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 take it out. And her mom's like, and her kid's like, no, I love it. And then a year later, she's like, please, can we redo this? Yeah. And, <laughs> and they and do then, it together. And then she kind of ends the book with like, I'm not going to do to my kid like what my yeah. mom did to me. And it, it's really- like, ma- like basically make her kid be responsible for her happiness, you yeah. know, which is what yeah. her mom like put on Brooke. And yes. So. And, but it all, it was from a gummy bear earring, you know, which is just- You never know where you're going to get your lessons. You know, we- you, you, <laughs> Find love in a hopeless place. In a hopeless place. Okay, Casey. Sometimes it's lobes. For mm. the book deal test. Okay. Was the author uh, vulnerable? Did she share her truth, Brooke? I think she did. I, I, yes, she said her SAT score was 1,000. She told she the truth. She helped me. She told the truth. Yeah, she did. She told the truth. Yeah. Was She the, also used the word stewardess still, and you're like, you know, it's not that. Well, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, she's being real truthful. She's like, I'll still call him that. Um, okay, was it entertaining? Absolutely not. It was oh. not. <laughs> it's not entertaining. It was, it was like interesting, but like, I wasn't like reading the book being like, oh fuck, her mama's still drinking. You know, like I wasn't like, I wasn't stoked. There was, I, I, I took in lessons, but I, but I was, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But if I didn't, I, I probably would have read it slower had, had, had this show. Not been a deadline. Yeah, yeah, Casey yeah, yeah, said yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She finished still it be, the I'd still be like, here. oh, because you know she lost her virginity to Dean Cain. I would have still been there, yeah. Okay. I would have still been on that part. I liked it. I um, liked it. I liked it. No, 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 it. you didn't. No, I liked it. I just was, I was it's not. It's not a good book. I, <laughs> it was, it was just it. sad. It, it was, was just sad. sad. It was sad. Listen, I like them sad. I do too. But it's like, I related too much to parts of it where I had oh, to be yeah. like, okay, 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 okay. I didn't, th- I already went to therapy this week, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, Brooke, just lose your virginity and get it and shut up. <laughs> George Michael! Yeah. Um, did, did the book elevate your life in some way? I did, t- I'm telling you, I took two quotes from it that really fucking Okay, hit me. so yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm also yeah. gonna say yes. I learned what codependence was like two, like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And so every time I encounter it, I'm like, wow, that's deep. Yeah. Because um, I don't, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. It, yeah, I, you know, I thought codependence meant like you're weak and you rely on someone else, but instead it means you fix everything all the time. You control so that the world. Usually one specific person is better, but sometimes it could be anybody. Yeah. Which yeah. is a fun thing for you to have. Um, Yep. Okay. Um, so that's the Brooke Shields book. Thank you guys so much. For- that's it for our Brooke Shields episode from our live show at Caveat in New York City. I just had such a phenomenal time. I got to meet and talk to so many amazing cookies, including Mary, shout out to Mary, who flew in from Atlanta with her sons and her friends. 
And then another one of the cookies, Kate Sullivan, who's friends with an OG cookie, Donna. She's a, um, Kate is a professional cake artist and she brought the most unreal cake I have ever seen to the show. It's on my Instagram. You have to see it. It's multiple tiers. The, the bottom base of the cake was books, like a bookshelf in a circle. Um, on the top of the cake was me and it looked like me and the needy quarantine dog was on my shoulder. I I basically sobbed and ate cake at the same time <laughs> with multiple witnesses. Um, you can follow Kate at Cake Power NYC if you're in the area or even just in America. She makes these phenomenal cakes and can bring them to your events. Um, and if you want to see the cake, go to my Instagram at Chelsea Vantes. And I think we're going to do another live show in LA. So just stay tuned. Become a Patreon, patreon.com slash Chelsea Fontes. Linked in the show notes. And just, you know, I, I, I'm always like gushing thank yous as if I'm like, thank you, thank you. But I, I really just felt so touched to have that be my goodbye in New York City. And I had only ever done this podcast alone, like by myself in my room. I've never even been in a room with a guest or a producer. I've only been on Zoom with my little microphone. So to go from that to a room full of 100 people was, it, it was really wonderful. And I just love this community. And uh, I'll see you guys next week for another book. Bye.